in the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament before Israel goes into a four to five hundred uh, period of darkness. That book, Malachi, prophesies two things. That the Lord is going to send a messenger before he sends the promised Messiah. And that messenger is going to play a specific role in all of Israel. And then, suddenly, the Lord, whom the people have been waiting for, the long-awaited Messiah, will come suddenly to his temple. That was prophesied in the book of Malachi. Now, uh, we recognize that that messenger that was called to prepare a way for the Lord in the New Testament, we, we know his name. What is his name? John the Baptist, right. So the scripture that was read this morning is taken from Luke, the first chapter, and it's, it's building on Malachi's prophecy about John the Baptist. And then, sure enough, Jesus comes right after John the Baptist. So the book of Luke in chapter 1 opens up with God telling Elizabeth and Zechariah that, uh, that he's going to give them a baby. But they were past the baby years. That's not the first time in Scripture that happened. Abraham, you remember? And I think he might have been 100 years old. But anyway, uh, the funny thing is, Isaac was named after what happened when God told Abraham he's going to have a baby because Sarah was listening from the tent. And uh, when God told Abraham he was going to have a baby, uh, his wife started laughing inside the tent, right? How's he going to get that? Is he going to go buy one? Because I'm sure not able to have a baby. I'm too old. But God did give him a baby. And his name was Isaac, but... Uh, His name translated was a play on words. Remembering the one who laughed. That was what his name meant in part. Remembering the one who laughed. I wonder if Elizabeth, I wonder if Elizabeth was going to be like Sarah. That whenever she had her baby, way past her mama years, she would hold the baby and she'd remember the story about how Sarah laughed you see it's an amazing thing when God gets involved in our lives this was a father's day of all father's day for Zechariah he he couldn't believe that the angel of the Lord told him he was going to have a baby but in the prophecy there's this curious phrase he will turn the hearts of the fathers by his religious work, he would turn the hearts of fathers back to the children. You see, in that day, it was a patriarchal system. Ladies, that was a different day than a day, I want to tell you. If you were a woman, you could, uh, you could work hard. You could have uh, worked even back then to put your, your husband through the school. You could have you could have worked to put him through law school, for instance, as a Pharisee or something like that. But women weren't allowed to own property. If your husband died, you were losing everything you had. It was called a patriarchal system. So when that happened, women of means would often take the married name of their husband's brother, if he had a brother, because the legal law then was 
your family goods, your livelihood wasn't going to get interrupted. So the dads, on the other hand, because the mothers weren't permitted to be involved in political life and those things, uh, the mothers supported the dads, but the dads legally had to bear the responsibility of all of the earning and all of the keepsake of the family. And it wasn't quite as affluent a nation like our nation is today, and it took all their time. How many of you had a dad that went through the, the depression years? Raise your hand. Some of you did. Yeah. And listen, as Brokaw called your fathers America's greatest generation, those men knew what it meant to sacrifice to try to get enough food on the table. But there was a time, even in America, in the depression years, where a dad was thought he was doing well just to put clothes on his children and food on the table and a roof over their head. Nod your head if you, if you know that's true, what I'm saying about the depression years. Yeah, that's true. Now, we're not in that today. I'm glad we're not in that today. But our culture today has become so affluent, ironically enough, we've gone all the way back to Luke chapter 1. Because the dads can be so consumed in getting ahead, in doing the things, maybe not only paying for your primary home, but a second vacation home, or else the things that all of us like to have. And dads, we spend so much time doing for, we forget that the Bible says that as a father, we're supposed to do with. This will be my 43rd year of ministry beginning the 1st of July. My number one complaint in ministry over the years in the counseling room is from women who say, my husband is never there with me, never there with my children, and my children, those years go so fast, he's going to miss all of their lives if God doesn't do something. You see, through the Messiah and through John the Baptist, that Adventist that prepared the way for the Messiah, one of the things God wanted to do was to restore fatherhood to the nation. Now, you know, our nation has, uh, has grown in so, so many ways. It's a wonderful thing to see. Nowadays, women are, are, are allowed to be everything in society that a man is allowed to be, even though, even though it doesn't always play out that way. There's lots of times where we have to do equitable rights in the workplace and things. But we may, may have a, a woman president soon. I, I, we don't know, but we do know this. For the last two uh, elections, this one coming up and the one that just passed, uh, a woman was on the docket, could have been elected president. Not so in Jesus' day. But even so in Jesus' day, he recognized there was a need. Today, even though women can be everything they want to be in the United States of America, and if they can't, they can lobby because our society is growing in leaps and bounds, just like we did in trying to uh, get equitable in, in the racial 
years of unrest in the United States of America. But what I want to share this morning is this. The social scientists, not for religious reasons, because there are more atheists in the realm of the social sciences than any other vocational sector of the United States of America. But even the social scientists tell us that when they do these, these tests, the psych tests, in prisons where there's been violent crime, when they test among prisoners who are incarcerated for violent crime, the number one thing that has caused the anger to make these people violent in prison is that they never ever had a personal relationship with a father. The number one common denominator among people incarcerated for violent crime, they never knew a father. Don't tell this old preacher, even though I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, don't tell this old preacher that one reason for violent unrest in urban America is because two-thirds of urban America doesn't have a father in the home. God, men, has given a role. Even in ages of uh, equal rights, even when it's not a patriarchal society like the society in which the book of Luke was, was authored, even in a society like ours today, where, where we cherish equality as a cherished American ideal. There is a place for fathers that God has given that if we bypass it, if we shirk that duty, our society becomes a degenerate society. This Thursday, I was sitting in my office thanking God that with a close call on my own father's life that could have gone either way, that God was going to give me the privilege of speaking to three congregations on Father's Day. Because, you see, my dad, I lived with him for quite a while in our family when, when uh, he had bad attitudes about the church. Man, he did not want either me or my brother Doug to grow up as church boys. You know why? He thought they were soft as men. He wanted some men, you know, like he and his father before him, etc. And, uh, you know, men's men, and he thought that going to church was going to make us a soft church boy. And he didn't want us in any kind of church, and usually there was an expletive, any kind of expletive church. And secondly, as soon as he got off the expletive church, he would get on the expletive preacher. He didn't like expletive preachers who always talked about money. On television, every man had to make a living as it, as it was. And my dad's uh, uh, dad worked in a coal mine. Man, he was hunched over in his retirement years. Died of a black lung. That's a tough life working in a coal mine. In, in the mining city over, over in the rust belt of, uh, of Ohio and, and Pennsylvania. And so, man... No room for soft church boys and that. And the preachers ought to just shut up and, uh, about money. 
because every man needs his own money. <laughs> and so forth and so forth. And then uh, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. And things radically began to change for me. And my dad did not know what to make of that, but he was pretty sure he didn't like it. Man, that's not the dad you think you would automatically pick to have two Methodist preachers for sons, right? <laughs> I can tell you how we got a second Methodist preacher. So my dad gave his heart to Christ as Doug was in late grade school and came all the way through. And my brother had a beautiful fellowship with my father and still does. And so do I. But my dad didn't know Jesus. But when my dad did come to know Jesus, all the grousing he did about church life changed and was stood on his head. God began to change my father's life. And all of a sudden, dad used to get involved in our lives and what we would think. And he began to take a role in character shaping in our lives. And it wasn't unusual in my late high school. I'm talking my senior year. My dad would say, because I played in a rock band, I don't care what time you get home Saturday night, but no matter how late you get home Saturday night, you're still getting up and going to church Sunday morning. Well, I was the one who started going to church in the family. <laughs> but man, my dad was a take-charge guy. He took control. And you know what he always used to say to me? I'll tell you what else. We're not having any hypocrites in our family either. If you're going to talk the talk, you're going to walk the walk. And if you don't, you're going to meet something that's going to make you do it. I'm telling you, my dad, if they'd ever discovered him before Archie Bunker, he'd have had his own, <laughs> my dad would have had his own TV show. <laughs> now we laugh because in my dad's mature years, he can't say grace at the dinner table without really weeping. I'm getting so much like him, I might not even survive another year as the preacher. We had them in the impact singer sing last night. There was a little girl. She was saying something and then singing my heart. And my, my eyes flushed full with tears, you know. Imagine that I'm in a life shaping the character. And dads, when I get to know your kids, man, I get to know you. It's an amazing thing. That God said, the work of the Messiah, the work of the one who comes before the Messiah is going to take fathers and bend their hearts towards the Lord. Now, you know, I rarely do this, but I'm going to do it today. So I, I did an acrostic. Man, I, I really kind of hate acrostics. Deb Bonjardo, she's not here today. This is where I say bless her heart because she has an acrostic for everything. Women of wisdom, wow. I don't, want, I don't want wow groups in my church, you know, but Deb's going to have a thousand of them if I let her. But anyway, I'm doing it. She's rubbed off on me. By the way, I don't love anybody any more than I love Deb. So here goes. She wins. Father is an acrostic from my dad's life. When my dad's heart was changed to God's heart. Here are the things. F. 
First comes the kingdom of God. My dad never had time for church. He never had time for anything except like that depression father of just uh, going to work. My dad went to work. He got up at 3.30 every morning, and by quarter after four, he was driving the truck out the driveway to work. And I was the beneficiary of that unselfish act of getting up at 3.30 every morning. My father provided. But when he got to know Jesus, first, the first bit of his money, the first bit of his time, all was given to God. He was done with giving God leftovers. He was done with grousing about the church. He was done with religion being an inconvenience. It was the first fruit of his life, like Jesus Christ when he said in the first sermon on the mount, but you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto him. There are dads in this congregation that need this message this morning. You need to put Jesus Christ first. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. F in Father, first the kingdom. A, always interceding. My dad got so passionately involved in helping others. And somebody always need help. That's just like Trinity. We always need your help. Somebody at Trinity always needs you to step in the gap. You see, in the Old Testament, in the book of Ezekiel, God said through the prophet, I sought for a man that I could plug in to fill in the gap, but I found none. So he sent Christ. And the work of Christ was so God could get him some men who would always work at standing in the gap. That's the A. F-A-T, teach by example. My dad wanted no hypocrites in the family. Now, I want to be the first to confess too many times I've fallen short of that mark. I, I've had to say to my Father in heaven, Lord, make me a better man. I repent of the selfishness that I find in me. I repent of the disobedience that I find in me. Will you please help me be a better man? Dads, it's time that we take time to encourage one another and pray for one another, but to hold one another accountable to being better men. That should get an amen even in a Methodist church. Teach by example. We ought to all be preaching sermons and if we have to, use words. But our lives ought to be the witness. H. Heaven is just as real as earth. So live like it. Believe it. Share it with people. When there are people that are hurting and they know they're losing a loved one on earth, let them know how real heaven is and that God has a place prepared for those who love him. I want to tell you heaven is just as real as earth today and you've got loved ones in heaven. We've got Trinity in heaven. I wonder what the worship service looks like among Trinity people in heaven today. I bet you it's rich, don't you? So how about on earth? Let's get on with it. Let's do it. Let's raise hands of praise. Let's give gifts of love. Let's tell the vision. Let's not let anything get between us 
and the reality that heaven is real and we need to live like it. F-A-T-H-E. Everything is God's business for which we give thanks. Don't exclude God from any part of your life because your life and everything in it is God's business. And give Him thanks for that. And our righteousness is the act the natural outcome of a person who's in a supernatural relationship. In other words, when you walk with God, men, just do it one step at a time. And you know what the end result of the path of your steps is? You're going to be a righteous man. And the steps of righteous men are ordered by God. Here we go. Father, first the kingdom. A, always interceding. T, teach by example. H, heaven is as real as earth. E, everything is God's business for which we give thanks. And R, righteousness is the natural outcome of a supernatural relationship. I didn't get that anywhere on the internet. I got that from a truck driver that came to know Jesus Christ. And I got here because of that faithful witness. Somebody is waiting to get to him because of your faithful witness. Now I'm going to close with a homework assignment, Dad. I hope you'll take this real. I hope you'll take it just as if Jesus himself was standing here telling you because I believe Jesus told me to tell you. Dads, you need to write a letter to your children. It doesn't have to be a letter that you send to them. You just make it part of your last will and testament. You put a letter somewhere it's going to be found when you're ready to go to your heavenly father. And that letter needs to tell your kids what kind of prayer you pray for them, what your hope for them is in Christ Jesus. And here's what I'm going to say. If your last word to your children is who you want them to be in Jesus Christ, they will never, never, ever be able to get away from that. They will think it every time they think you. And you're such a part of their lives, they'll never forget. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.